welcome to the NC Podcast. My name is Natasha Collins and I am the host and founder of NC Real Estate, which includes its members club for landlords and property investors to come and build profitable property portfolios that completely align with their goals. I know that right now we are going through some choppy waters. We are learning new ways of coping. We are showing up for ourselves and being so resilient. And I have got something which I've been working on and updating daily, my COVID-19 and property investment in the UK working paper. If you haven't been to www.ncrealestatemembersclub.com, forward slash COVID-19, you need to go over there, click on the download button, get my PDF and have a look at the new updates of what's been going on. There is strategy, there is useful websites, there's things that you can do when you feel like you might not be able to do anything and it's to help you get through this as unscathed as you possibly can and put you back in control of the situation. It's tough. Tenants are finding it tough. We're all finding it tough. You have to be acting with compassion. You have to be asking people, how can I help? Even if you don't know how you're going to be able to help. But that PDF is going to give you some really good steps that you can take. It's completely free. I'm not asking for your email address. If you think I'm about to send you with a load of spam, I'm not. Go over there. I'll put the link below this podcast help yourself to it. It's yours. I'm updating it on a regular basis up until the point that this is over. So hopefully that's really useful for you. Okay, today I'm so excited. I've got Jackie Terms from Tones Homes with me. Hey, Jackie. Hi, great to be with you. Thank you. Crazy times. I know, right? Bonkers. So Jackie is a property investment strategist, a property investor, and has built a property portfolio worth six million pounds in under six years. Amazing credentials. Thank you. Thank you. It's been um, quite an epic six years. Yeah, it's been pretty hard at various points along the way, but yeah, feel really grateful for where we are. Yes. Oh, it's amazing. It's so incredible to build it in that space of time. Um, for those of you uh, who are wondering, we have just before this podcast had about a 20 minute conversation <laughs> about how we're dealing with this <laughs> COVID-19 situation. I think it's because we're all in in kind of, we've had things tipped upside down and told to relook at the way that we're doing everything, right? Yeah, well, I just feel like I, we've been saying how it's been so frustrating to suddenly all of your you know plans that you've spent so long putting in motion and property deals that you've we've been working on some deals for nearly 12 months and suddenly they're all in up in the air and are they happening it's been it's been it's really hard like you're having to reassess everything make decisions on where you think the market's going decide what to push back what to keep going with keep everyone else happy like we're saying you got to look after your community your clients uh, your investors your team uh, and somehow yourself in all of that as well mm-hmm. it's um yeah these are crazy times mm-hmm. they really are and you were saying that you've just today and we're recording this by the way on march the 26th so just today you were saying that you're feeling normal again and like you're back in control yeah first time in yeah 10 11 days something like that so we're in we're, we're in france at the moment and the lockdown happened first before the UK so I think we almost I'm a bit further ahead than many of the UK are because we we saw it coming because we were experiencing it so yeah um but yeah I feel like we've 
we've risk assessed, we've opportunity assessed, we've made some tough decisions. Uh, we know when the next round of decisions need to be made. And now it's just like, right, on to just making the best of the parts of all of this that we can control and just letting go of the rest until such time that I can make further actions on them. Yeah, well, that's all we can do. Those those are things that we are we've all got to do. I mean, what what are the things that you are pushing forward with, and the things that you're letting go? So we uh, property our property projects that we were buying at the moment they are all they're on hold at the moment, mm-hmm. um, particularly because we have they've all got refurbs associated with them, which obviously can't happen, and we're not quite sure how the market will play out in terms of the, you know, how how much the dip is going to be. Obviously, the dip's inevitable um, just to see how that happens. So we are uh, pushing back uh, on that um, and we are working with our team to share everything that we're doing with our with our strategy community. So what, when I'm not doing the property investing, I'm helping other people to run their property businesses. So we are sharing all the things that we're learning and implementing and doing in a useful way for the rest of our community um, to benefit from so that's what we're really putting our energy into just helping helping everyone else around us and making sure my clients are okay um, and then just keep reassessing uh, in, in a few weeks time uh, where we move uh, the property projects from from that point mm-hmm. yeah that's, that's all we can do and I know we were discussing um, mortgage holidays just before and I actually think it's probably quite an important conversation to have now um on the podcast about our thoughts around mortgage holidays um do you want to go first because yeah go on then (laughs) chill out is my first uh response on the mortgage holidays um i think your uh, your business should be strong enough to be able to go for a period of time of uncertainty where you're not getting paid all your rent um so if you are in a position that you should be like that then we shouldn't need to be getting on the phone to ask for a mortgage holiday when our tenants haven't even got a problem yet. And there's a huge package of support from the UK government. So a large proportion of the UK population should be able to pay probably all or if not the majority of their rent. So I'm talking from like a traditional single let uh, point of view, obviously service accommodation is a different uh, kettle of fish. But if all of that is suddenly stopped, uh, it's a different situation. So for us, we're not we're not going to ask for a, for a mortgage holiday. Um, if, if this is if this is three months, um, we've um, we've risk assessed the portfolio in terms of the sort of tenants that we have, um, and we think that about seventeen percent of our rent is at risk of non-payment. So actually, quite a small amount when you take everything in. Um, so therefore, we factored in seventeen percent of non-payment for three months. It's you know, obviously, it's not great. I'd rather it was paid, mm-hmm. but it's um, it's it's not it's not an issue. So um, yeah, we'll be standing firm and uh, showing how resilient we are in the meantime. Mm-hmm. Your thoughts? Yeah, I'm the same. I have been in contact with mortgage providers just because I wanted to know what the situation is. Because obviously, this is not a mortgage-free period. At the end <laughs> of it, it's a really <laughs> bad name for it. It's not a mortgage holiday. No, that, well. When you come back from your holiday, you have to pay back everything that you owe. And banks are doing this in a different way. Some are adjusting the payments afterwards. Um, Some are um, saying that once you get to the end of the period, you might have to pay all of the amount that you had outstanding, not your interest payments. But if you had any repayments that you were making, then you would have to pay that. Um, 
or it's being added on to the very end of your term. Now, you then need to stress test with whether you can actually afford that increase if it's gonna make any difference or not to you. Um, and also, I mean, we don't know quite how much interest is being rolled up on these three months. And some of the on some of the banks are offering these online forms where it takes two minutes, you fill in a couple of details and that's it, that's your three month mortgage holiday. You don't know how much that's gonna be after the end of the three months and they're just gonna alter their direct debit for you. That's risky, that's more risky than continuing paying. Now, if you really are struggling, fine, you know, use it, use everything that you've got. Um, but as Jackie said, tenants should be getting money now. You know, there's a lot of help out there. And for service accommodation providers, if you are registered for business rates, there should be a 10 grand check in the post to you from your council, mm. you don't even need to apply, they're just going to send it direct to you. For those with council tax, it's going to be harder. Yes, I'm with you, don't, um, do not be taking these unless you need to, right? Yeah, and I think there's gonna be a lag anyway, like really with landlords, I'm sure most of us aren't actually directly impacted yet because everyone's paid in arrears and we've only just really had lockdown in the UK. So unless you've lost your job, you we're not going to really feel the impact until end of april early may so actually th then you can really start to assess the situation um so yeah at the moment we think that for the most part our rents are going to be okay that are coming at the end of this month early um april where am i so yeah i think we'll just need to just keep it keep it cool reassess and i think look at risk assess your portfolio and your tenants first of all before just crying and asking for help when you don't really know what help you truly need mm -hmm. Because this could be over soon, or it could go on for long. We don't know. None of us know. <laughs> so, Jackie, let's let's go into details about what. Who are you? <laughs> What's your background? <laughs> for anybody who hasn't come across you before, tell me how have you got to this stage in property investment? So, um, it's actually quite cool to be doing this podcast here because I'm currently in the French Alps, and it was back in the French Alps seven years ago. Um, that I was currently working in market research. I was having a week of annual leave on the piece. I love to ski. Um, and for me, I just started to get that horrible sinking feeling at the end of the week because I knew I had to go back to work on Monday. Um, it was a great job, but I just, I'm not very good at being told what to do. Um, and that's the problem with being employed. Um, so that was when I decided I had to find some other way to have more control over, over my life. Um, and I decided to start in saving up to invest in property. Um, so after that, I, I didn't know, I'd seen my mum and said that they had a couple of buy to let. So I'd seen that, but I didn't really know any of the logistics of how to do it. So I just started reading uh, 18 months of just like geeking out on every book I could buy on Amazon and also living the most boring existence because I just cut back all except, except essentialist expenditure and saved up as much as I could for a deposit for the first property. Uh, and it took 18 months and I had to play the credit card game as well. But I bought the first property in July 2014 for £108,500 with a 15% deposit. And I put the refurb on the credit card um, and I took annual leave from work to get involved and help out on the refurb. Um, and it was bonkers, but I did it. And I bought the first property back uh, then. And then off the back of that, <clears throat> I found out that actually people wanted to other people had money who couldn't be bothered to do all the hard work that I had done in terms of 
going to B&Q and picking out tiles and slogging and doing loads of property viewings. Uh, and we started working with other people who wanted to invest money. Uh, so first of all, it was family members. Um, and then it grew from there to being other people I met at property networking events. Uh, and so from that 18 months to buy that one property over the next year, uh, we went and bought another eight, nine properties. Um, whilst working full time, it was absolutely horrendous and bonkers and exciting um but thanks to all of that it meant that I could uh, I could leave my job that was the like phase one completed um and then from there we've now scaled up to to buying whole blocks of flats and so before it was just individual units and now we buy whole blocks of flats um, and we rent them out as single lets um and so yeah now we've the portfolio is worth about six million pounds now um and they're all similar kind of value properties like around the 100k 150k mark um so it's been a roller coaster of a journey and um yeah and now I help other people to do the same fantastic so what has been your best property deal state oh, I was thinking about this I would say <clears throat> my my best property deal deal today has been a block of four flats that we bought in Margate back in where well, I'm gonna lose track of time 2018 I think it was and it was uh, because for us, we're all about replicating the same model, and we'll talk about that more shortly. But um, it was for us the culmination, culmination of many different projects and refining how exactly we were going to do a block of flats deal. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a block of four flats, and we it took about 200k of our investors' capital to make it work. And we we purchased the property, we refurbed it within a few months, uh, we refinanced it within less than six months, and we pulled out. 95% of the initial capital that was in that deal um, and it just went so so smoothly thanks to everything that we had learned from many deals that hadn't gone smoothly and refining what we were and weren't happy to do um, so that for us was a real a real success because it's a culmination of so much learning yeah amazing so I think we should now go into kind of the strategy what types of investments do you like to work on so we now from initially just buying individual flats that we'd refurbished just leasehold properties uh, we just we would buy them in areas that were good uh, for capital appreciation so outskirts of london uh, we'd add value through refurb and obviously get that benefit of a bit of buying a bit below market value so those three elements are what made it work as a deal and then refinancing either after six months or after two years depending on the deal um, so now we've just scaled that up to do that on blocks of flats. So we only buy blocks of flats that have already been converted or they could be purpose built, but generally they, they're their conversions. Um, they already have all their utilities split. So we do not deal with utility providers. I'm like, we've had our hell dealing with those guys. <laughs> if you want to deal with them, someone else can do that. That's We hate that part of it. Um, so it, it must have utilities split. Uh, it must have either planning permission or it's been done long enough ago that you can get uh, existing use for it. Um, and they've all got to be, all the units need to be over 30 square metres so that it just doesn't limit the, the lending opportunities on those units. Um, and what we look to do is we uh, we purchase them at a good price. Uh, we add value through refurbishment and then we refinance out the other end. Now for us, we uplift on cost is one of our key metrics. So we need it to be a minimum uplift on cost of 20%. Um, ideally, we push towards as much as close to 30 as we can get. And so what that means in practice is that the money that goes in on purchase between two thirds and 
percent of that come back out on refinance within four to six months. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's the uh, the broad strategy, and it's all that 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 focus has been absolutely fundamental to us being where we are now because we've been able to scale up really quickly because we kept learning more and more lessons about that one specific thing. Whereas if we'd have done, you know, a bit of service accommodation, some HMOs, some flips, you know, and mixed it all up along the way, we'd be so much further behind or in a, a lot more risk right mm-hmm. now because you just don't know all the elements that are involved in it. Um, so that's exclusively what we buy. We're based in Kent. Uh, so we buy right on the outskirts of Kent in Thanet. Um, and, and that's all we do. No, no as for us, <laughs> we are definitely control freaks. I'm definitely mm-hmm. a control freak. And we want to have as much control over the project as possible. And what yeah. we found when we uh, ran a conversion in the past was that so much was out of our control. Like everyone screwed us over planning, building control, utility companies, a structure engineer. And so for me, I want as little ability for others to be able to screw the business um, thanks to just limiting mm-hmm. exactly what the model is. Mm-hmm. And how have you found just, do you, I guess a lot of people when they come to me and they're like, well, I'm going to be investing in here and here and here. You you then suggest to people to focus on one area. Is that right? I think you can have multiple areas for sure. But I think it, if you don't really know your area it really expands the risk in my opinion um because one street to another if you don't really know the area you could get really caught short because the comparable on the next street looks really high but actually it's because it's in the dodgiest road in the area and it's these kind of things that you don't know when you're spread across many areas um so we have two areas because our initial portfolios on the outskirts of london kind of like the abbey wood uh, in the southeast and then we when we moved on to buying blocks of flats that changed to, to be on the outskirts of Kent mm-hmm. um, so for us that deep area knowledge has for us de-risked it um, and also means that we yeah, we feel that we get better quality deals because of it because we have good relationships with local agents um, and we're very much known in that specific area so good opportunities come to us um, and whilst I uh, we will definitely expand to other areas in the future it will be on a uh, move to that next mm-hmm. area really get to know it in depth before moving on to the next one mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so um one of the questions I want to ask you then where are you finding your investors because that is something that people ask all of the time where are you getting your investors from so um so our initial investors were people that we already had in our network so people uh, initially it was family members which I actually thought somehow was was cheating at that point but actually it's not like working with your family is a huge responsibility and it was it's something we take on resp- responsibility very easily like it's just in our nature it's me and my husband David I run the business with him um, and so they were our initial investors um, and then from that we it was property networking events and property training courses we met people on it's quite often you you know, you have this vision of how easy it's going to be to invest in property. Uh, and you go along to a course. This isn't me, but this may be um, you or people that you know. And you go along to a course and you hear how hard it's actually going to be to all the stuff that you need to be thinking about. Um, and then actually it's a, a better proposition to not do it. And if you can find someone to put in all that hard graph that you've clearly got to learn about, um, that can be a better decision. So, um, so many of our investors have come through that route. Um, and then as we've moved along the way, we obviously get a lot of referrals. So obviously you want to do a really good job. Um, so we get investors come through referrals now. 
Um, I also find that old contacts that I used to have who I'm still connected with on Facebook and who see what we're up to, um, they they get in touch and they've got to be ready. Some people, they need to see a few years of social proof before they're ready for you to, mm-hmm. to, to come and have a ch- chat with you. But we see that more and more now. So you just need to keep going long enough and keep sharing online what you actually do. Um, and yeah, social media has been another way as well, being active on there and sharing what we do, particularly from the strategic angle that we take, which is what we train in our uh, consultancy company, Property Strategy, that that has found us some, yeah, some some great investors. Mm-hmm. And our vision now is to bring in, for us, we're very values driven. Um, and it's, we, you know, we make good returns, great returns for property, but we don't make great returns to the detriment of others. It's about win-wins along the way and providing a great service to our tenants too along the way so it's got to be I like to think of it a bit as like property investment but done with like a bit of heart Mm -hmm. Um, and so this is an area that we are looking to develop um, further investors with these kind of uh, same balanced views in terms of wanting to get great returns but whilst doing great things for the community too Um, so that's been it and then also our people who have um, seen us through property strategy um, that we're actually developing a, like a learn invest style project um, product where people get to learn about how we do stuff and invest at the same time so it's been quite a few different channels really mm. okay so one of your key messages is that you can run your property from anywhere currently you're in France was that the ish- initial goal when you started your property portfolio how did you make it happen yeah so it's yeah it's so cool I can literally across the way I can see the apartment I was in when I had this vision that I would you know get into property save really hard build a little property portfolio and hopefully in like 10-15 years I'd be able to just come skiing as much as I wanted to Um, and so it's like every year uh, as the business has grown and we've put in place better systems we have upped the ante to eventually this year, seven years from that initial dream, just over there, I can see it right now. Um, we were here for 10 weeks. Yeah. And our coronavirus has rather scuppered the skiing plan. We've actually only got five weeks of uh, actual skiing before the ski lifts close. But hey, that's uh, <laughs> that's by the way. Um, brilliant life. Plans <laughs> don't always work out how they expect. Um, so yeah, that was that was the plan. And for us, it's been that's only been possible again it comes back to this focus has been a really important part of it because by focusing in on a specific area specific business model it's really helped us to build the the infrastructure and the team to support us because it's uh you you know exactly what you're looking for and you're kind of creating as much as possible a cookie cutter approach which means it's therefore so much easier to like write the like the briefing manual train someone up to be able to take over parts of it for you um, and so, yeah, we've got a, a team that supports us. There are now nine of us. We're mm-hmm. mo- we're a virtual team. Um, we have some people who are on the ground. Most of us are dotted around the world. And it's been that combination of we're fully online. Like many businesses right now are like freaking out. You're like, how do you work from home? How do I talk to my team? We're just like, I feel really grateful because we're like, this is just business as normal for us. It's like Zoom. Uh, it's used to be Slack, but now it's Teams. Uh, we have Office 365. All our files are online. Mm-hmm. Our posts get scanned in for us when it arrives. So like, it's all completely, um, well, completely automated is, would be too far to say because there is still stuff that we are working on to, to step back from. But um, a, a huge part of the business is is not led by Dave and I anymore, which means that we have got the capacity to 
to, to, to lead um, and to expand and innovate new opportunities. Um, and I, I, being in this time right now with coronavirus, we're in a huge and uh, a great situation because we have got the capacity and the bandwidth to actually help our, help the property investment community at the same time. Because we have got that support and that infrastructure there with the team, yes, we've had to jump back in and make some really tough decisions um, and change the plans, but now everything can carry on ticking along. We've got an arrears management process in place to, to mm -hmm. look after things as it changes, and we can just focus in on supporting the rest of the property investment community during this tough time and, and to really just lead. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what it's all about, right? So absolutely. what does good quality rental accommodation look like to you? And do you believe it's expensive to get a high-end product? I don't believe it is. I think you have to be careful about where you spend your money. <clears throat> um, and I think that's why I'm quite grateful that I was very involved in that first refurb. Um, definitely not why I want to spend my time ultimately, but I was really grateful to be involved because I saw how much you, if you're very careful with where you spend your money, you can get great results for not a lot of of capital um so for us we just select uh like we, we get we have magnet kitchens in our properties but we don't necessarily have the all the bells and whistles in terms of like you know when you open it it's a big fancy drawer inside and stuff so we're just selective about what elements of that work um the the, the type of like carpet that we use um you know we we're very aggressive with making sure we've got something that's decent quality but doesn't cost the earth and i think shopping around with suppliers um, so yeah, typically we'll do a refurb for about 10 grand a unit. Um, so it's not a lot of money, um, but also just putting a bit of attention to detail in terms of like the design features, like going for a, a tile that's got a bit of a bit of color to it, um, painting feature walls. So you've got a bit of, uh, yeah, a bit of color and it's not just a beige, mm -hmm. uh, boring property, I think makes a really big um a really big difference so yeah I think we're definitely not luxury accommodation by any stretch of the imagination but we are good quality accommodation and in the areas that we operate in typically the standard of rental accommodation is poor so we we do generally lift the bar for rental accommodation in the area which is great to do mm -hmm. so for any successful investor what are the foundations that they must have in place in order to continue to grow do you think so there, I think there are a few key elements to this. I would say for one, and I've really spoken about this a lot already, that replicable model mm -hmm. is really hard to scale if you don't have some key uh, elements that are consistent in every single deal, because otherwise you are always going to have to be involved in figuring out how that works. So for me, that replic is replicable model is key. Um, and then alongside all of that, there's kind of, I would say three other really important elements. <clears throat> One is um, systems and processes. So how do you run your operation? What is the consistent workflows that you have for how you do things? So we use Asana project management tool very heavily. Uh, we have like templated projects, like what's the order of things that need to be done and that automatically ends up on our team's to-do lists mm -hmm. so that you know that things aren't going to get missed. So I think that's really important like how does your operational infrastructure come together um third i would say quality team like make sure you've got great people uh our first we were talking about it before we uh, started recording but yeah. <clears throat> some of our first hires were uh, virtual assistants in the philippines and we didn't have a great experience um we uh, we really had to baby them through everything 
And we kind of thought, well, maybe that's just what it's like. This is our first business that we've run. Like, maybe that's just how it is when you have staff. You just have to like baby them through everything. Um, we've subsequently improved our hiring processes and of our general business strategy. And actually we've got great people and great people, you don't have to baby them through it. They should have the freedom to operate you know, within a framework um, but take ownership of, of what their what their role is and to be able to do it better than you could actually do it. Um, and I think that is an important part of having having that rounded team where you've got you're all pulled together by combined values, but you've all got very different skill sets and you've got the right person in the right role. And that all feeding into an overall um, like structure or framework for your team uh, is really important um, and knowing what everyone being clear what their accountabilities are for the business uh, so great people who are very clear on what they need to do and it's the right people in the right role mm -hmm. and then the last area which I think generally property investors are very weak on I think we're good at analyzing specific individual deals but I don't think the property investment world is good at the financial data aspect so how the actual business runs from a financial point of view like what metrics are you tracking how do you know if you're in a good or bad situation how long can you cash flow yourself through coronavirus <laughs> you should be able to have a quick look on your financial reports change a few pieces of information and get a picture of how badly this how bad this is you reduce your revenue by 17 percent for the next three months how's the cash in the bank like you should be able to easily get to that information but most people can't um so having that infrastructure in place so that when well for one you know how much longer you can operate with the amount of cash that you've got in the bank and how to weather the storms when they come and how ironic that we're in a storm right now <laughs> yeah. so uh yeah so i think uh those are the four key elements replicable model systems and processes quality team and financial data i think those are really important for a business that can scale mm -hmm. property business cap. agreed so for any investors just starting out, what tips would you give them? I think it's good to go and just explore what's out there. Um, so find out what all the different ways that you can make money in property and just allow yourself that time to just research and get a feel for it because there's so many options. Um, and it's good to have a bit of an awareness of all of them when you're making decisions. But I think looking at what um what the options are and then being very clear about why you're actually investing in property which sounds so freaking obvious but so many people miss it be clear what is your objective is it long-term pension planning is it short-term cash flow how bad is the cash flow situation are you needing to replace your income in three or six months or is it a three-year plan how much are you trying to create and having some real clarity in at the very minimum i would suggest those things and then alongside that clarity on where you want to go and what you've seen around your property choose something don't choose three of them choose something <laughs> and learn how to do that one thing and just focus on that until that is working and generating you cash and it will not happen as quickly as you want it to because it never does but that's not a reflection on you uh, you just have to keep going and solve the specific challenges that come up as you go along that uh, process to making that work for you so if you are struggling to do it because you haven't got enough capital don't think I need to go and do service accommodation rent to rent rather than buying buy to let property because maybe you just need to figure out how to find the right investors and I see this happen all the time people jump from they call them property strategies 
service accommodation, HMOs, rent to rent, all that stuff. They're not strategies. They are business models. And you build your strategy around that. So what is your business model? Stick to it. When you come across a challenge, solve that specific challenge. Don't hop into something else. And you'll want to because you'll look around and think that everyone else has got it way easier than you have. But they haven't. Um, So stick with it. That's so true. (laughs) So true. Everything looks so easy and like it will just come to you if you do this. And then you realise how long people have been doing things for. Yeah, and also when you, if you go and learn from training courses about how to invest in property, you'll see the person on the stage and you'll hear the top few percentage of deals and how they're doing things, which is great, but that, that's not indicative of the entire industry. Uh, and so just, yeah, I think it's great. I, like property training is great, but just you've got to take what is right for you mm. from it. Um, and I've heard people, and you might hear this too, like you get to the end of a property training course and the poor people say it just didn't something didn't really feel right for me about it now that doesn't mean to say that business model wasn't right for them but maybe the way the person who was teaching the course maybe their values aren't aligned and it just needs to be just tweaked a bit to make it feel right for you mm-hmm. um and I think it's having that confidence to do that because you do need to kind of create your own special source way of doing it and if you can do that and not feel scared that you're not following, you're not following the crowd, you will, you will come out better for it. You just got to keep going. <laughs> Agreed. So what does a career of a full-time property investor look like for you now? So it's great. You know what? It is. I feel so grateful. It is so varied being in the point that we're in now where uh, you know, we've got a good size portfolio. We've got more stuff coming down the tracks or maybe on pause for a few weeks for now. And, you know, a great team around us. More and more for me being uh, in property, it's about it's about like it's about leading. It's about solving problems, innovating, supporting our team. So like quite a lot of, you know, coaching our coaching our team, bringing our team together and hopping in where things aren't quite working and seeing how we can tweak things now. That was a very different situation a couple of years ago. Uh, mm-hmm. I was much more, you know, on the ground and operational. But for me now, it's much more, it's much more like, yeah, being the CEO of a, of a company, it just happens to be a property one. Um, and I think for me, I'm definitely, I'm, property isn't my passion. Um, strategy is my passion, which is why I've got another business, which is all about strategy. Um, but for me, I, I love, I love running I love running this business. I love being able to have ideas and just implement them um, and to, yeah, to, to, to lead and look after a, a group of people who are all together to work towards one shared aim is just, yeah, it's magic. And to do it with my husband as well, mm-hmm. um, it's great. So yeah, meetings, Zoom calls, um, looking at deal analysis, like signing things off in terms of numbers and how we're going to do stuff. It's, uh, yeah, no, no two days are the same. <laughs> I know that feeling. (laughs) So final question. We, at the time of recording, there's not much positive outlook, but where do you see, if you had a crystal ball and we're not, I'm not expecting you to give me like exactly what's going to happen going forward, but where do you think we're going as a property industry? So my predictions are, we've actually got in Asana, we've got a whole like timeline mapped up for the next 12 months for how we see things progressing based on a number of different factors. Um, So overall, I think 
from initially thinking that I thought we'd have a short, sharp shock from coronavirus, three month problem, I actually think it's going to have an impact on the market for the rest of the year, uh, particularly in the UK, because we also have this Brexit uh, transition period ending at the end of the year. Um, so how I see it is that probably we will, um, uh, this lockdown will be kind of three months um, and then people will start to be getting out there again and things will start to be moving again, probably. Um, the problem is we'll be starting to get some momentum again. Uh, and then the fact that we've been, we'll be officially in the, in the recession uh, by the end of the third quarter this year uh, is going to freak everyone out. The newspapers are going to go to town. Everyone's going to be scared to do stuff, which will put a further dampener on the market, which will uh, then compounded by the fact that we've got Brexit coming up looming. Uh, people will be even more scared because in case we have some no deal crash out because we haven't had time to plan for it. So yeah, I think 2020 is a, a bit of a write-off in terms mm -hmm. of like a great market, um, any appreciation of the market. Um, so I think 2021, once we this Brexit matters concluded, I think don't think it really matters necessarily what that is, just that we know what it is and it's done. I think then the first quarter, probably about the second quarter next year, I think we're going to be back in a good place again, and that to a large degree we'll have bounced back to probably where we are now, um, and then. Maybe a little surge because everyone's excited that they can go out, that Brexit's over and done with. Mm -hmm. um, and then we'll be in a, a mini surge before probably something else will happen maybe in 2022 um, to um, to correct things again, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's reasonable. We'll see what happens. No. But I think great opportunities to come. I think at the moment we're just seeing how the, the land lies but in a few weeks time I think um, things will change as vendors realise that this isn't just going to be a quick thing um, and there'll be motivation for people to carry on moving and transactions and surveyors will be able mm -hmm. to value again um, and um, I think there will be some opportunities. Mm -hmm. Well thank you for that. On that note, Jackie it's been a pleasure. Thank you for it's coming. It's been a real pleasure. Podcast. Thank you for having me. Oh, my pleasure. If you've listened to this podcast and you've loved it, please do make sure you subscribe so that you get this every single Tuesday morning straight into whatever podcast platform you listen to. I would love it if you could leave this podcast a review because that means that more people listen to this podcast and get the goodness from within it. Thank you for listening to this podcast this week. I cannot wait to catch up with you again soon.